Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. White picket fences, two and a half cars, or three cars, two and a half kids, uh, a dog. I noticed I didn't say a cat because we're talking about perf- perfection here. All right. Uh, a dog, uh, perfection. That, that's what we all think that our relationship is going to be. In fact, I've, I've discovered that what we do is we, whether we intend to or not, don't we do this? We all place ourselves, whether you're married or single, doesn't matter. We all place ourselves in every romance movie we have ever watched. It's going to work out just like the movie worked out. There's never going to be any problems. There's never going to be any tears. There's never going to be any fights. There's never going to be any, any pain at all. And there is certainly not going to be any reality because how many of you know that's not reality, right? Uh, and and so we may think that. So what happens is, is we ignore the fact that relationships are difficult. And we go into relationships and we're chasing this mirage of what perfection is supposed to be. And because it's a mirage and we continue to chase it, what it does is it leads to broken people creating broken relationships. And so what we want to do is, is we want to address that. See, there's a phrase that we use that kind of encapsulates this perfectly. We, we say it jokingly, but then we experience it in reality. Here's the phrase. The honeymoon is over. Right? Okay. So, so, so the idea of the honeymoon is this perfect, everything is perfect. The ceremony went perfect. Our ceremony didn't go perfect. Back then we had cassette tapes for the music, and right in the middle of the song, the cassette player ate the cassette tape. So... So, uh, so I filled in and I sang and it was beautiful and no, I play, I play, I play, no. <laughs> so, so it's this concept. This honeymoon is this concept of everything is all wrapped up in perfection, right? How many of you know that honeymoons are big business, like big business? I discovered that uh, uh, the most people spend four months planning their honeymoon. At, that's on average. Now, some of y'all are like crazy, and, and you've, planned, you've been planning all your little life. Uh, uh, but, but, but four months is the average. And not only that, uh, the average couple spends, check this out, $4,466 on an average of what it, it amounts to an eight-day trip for their honeymoon. 4000 like we drove to Dallas. Uh, come on now, $4,466. That's the average. We think it's going to set us up for all of this perfection and this bliss. But how many of you know that not only can, but it will. The honeymoon will come to an end, doesn't it? Isn't that real? See, okay. So, see, some of you so, so, some, of, some of you, <laughs> I'm getting a witness. Some of you escaped, like you, you escaped the entire honeymoon trip and then your honeymoon ended on day nine, right? Uh, 
eight-day average on day nine. Your honeymoon literally ended. But for some of you, your honeymoon may have lasted longer. Like you, you made it at least 60 days. But on the 62nd day of someone squeezing the toilet, I mean the toothpaste, not squeezing the toilet, squeezing the toothpaste from the wrong end. Maybe they're squeezing the toilet too. Squeezing the toothpaste from the wrong end. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you've had it up to here and beyond, and the honeymoon ends. Maybe they, maybe they left the seat up. One too many times. By the way, what, why is there more effort involved in you putting the seat down? Okay, I just, I just wondered. So, so all of a sudden, see, I started meddling. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the romance movie is over. Uh, I've got a friend. Check this out. This is hilarious. I got a friend that went through the marriage ceremony and headed to their honeymoon. And when they walk into the hotel at their honeymoon destination, in the lobby at the check-in counter, they run into his ex. Like, he had been engaged to her, I believe, not too long ago before he found the love of his life, and they run into her in the lobby at the check-in counter. Oh, it gets worse. Because when they get to their room and they open the door, next door she opens her room and steps out and they recognize that they're staying in the room next to his ex. How many of you know the honeymoon is officially over? It's over. So, so it's over right there. Okay, so, so before we go any further, let me say some things to you. There is a way out of a marriage that you hate. Now, you got those of you that are regulars, you need to back up about, what, two weeks when I talked to you in our Tune In series, and I told you in that last message of that series, I told you that this year you would know that uh, the enemy was speaking to you rather than God if what you are hearing contradicts God's word. Because God will never say anything to you that contradicts his word, all right? So when I stand up here and tell you that there is a way out of the marriage that you hate, please don't expect me to stand up here and say something that God would not say, okay? So, let me say it like this. There is a way out of the marriage that you hate. And the way out of the marriage that you hate is to stay in the marriage that you're in and fix it. Because, listen, the truth is, is that you may think that getting out is easier. You may think that's, that's, that's easier. If it's broken, it, it'd be easier just to exit. But the real truth is this, is that you cannot get out of your relationship unscathed. And although it may be, uh, seem to be easier to get out, and, and it may be much more difficult to stay in, the truth is, is even if it's not easier to stay in, it is certainly much more healthy to stay in and fix the relationship you are in. Uh, one man, uh, well, let me just say this because nobody will tell you this. You can, you can exit the relationship you're in, whether you're, it's dating, uh, engaged, married, whatever. But what nobody tells us is that if you don't deal with the issues in that relationship, you will transport your brokenness into the next relationship. So you got to deal with it. You got One man said it like this. I think he was right. He said, it is better 
to accept and work with the spouse you have than it is to exit and try to find the spouse you wish you had. All right, so let me help you. With all that in mind, I'm going to take us into, over the next four weeks, what? because my, my goal here, my assignment here is to give you some tips and tools to help you to change the marriage or the relationship that you're in, the one that you hate and that you're wanting out of so badly, to change it and make it the one that you love. All right? So for me to do that, I need to take you into what may be the most complex relationship found in Scripture. It is certainly one of the messiest relationships found in Scripture. Uh, but, but this less than perfect picture of marriage helps us that are in marriages who aren't storybook. And by the way, can I just be straight up with you? There's not a storybook marriage in this entire place. We're all working through this. Okay, so let's go. Let's go. Let's look at the honeymoon. There's a honeymoon period. We're gonna. This is odd. I'm gonna do some odd things in this message. I'm gonna read backwards, not literally backwards, like so that you can't understand the words. I'm gonna start later in scripture and move backwards. Okay. All right. So just stay with me. So join me in a in a kind of an obscure book that most people don't like to read called Hosea. Mm. Hosea chapter 1, verse 3. Now we're going to just pick some, uh, verse 3, verse 6, verse 8, then we're going to back up and read the background. Okay, here we go. Hosea chapter 1, verse 3. Hosea did it. He picked Gomer, daughter of Dibliam. She got pregnant and gave him a son. Verse 6. Gomer got pregnant again. This time she had a daughter. Verse 8. After Gomer had weaned no mercy, she got pregnant yet again, and she had a son. Okay, so stop. So Hosea marries this woman, and apparently there was some level of intimacy and perhaps even some bliss because in the, in the, the backdrop of the, of the day in the society they lived in, if you had children, you were blessed. And all of a sudden, Hosea marries this woman, and she is very blessed, and they have children. So we don't know how long there was bliss. We don't understand or really can comprehend how long there may have been a honeymoon period. We know at least 27 months she was pregnant. Could do the math. All right. Uh, and, and, and so there was some level of honeymoon. But let's back up a little before we go, any for, go forward any, and I'm going to show you the end of the honeymoon. Because uh, if you read, if you know the whole story, then you know that the honeymoon ended before it ever really started. Okay, let me prove it to you. Okay, we're backing up. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. I read to you verse 3. Here's verse 2. The first time God spoke to Hosea, he said, Find a whore and marry her. Make this whore the mother of your children. And here's why. The whole country has become a whorehouse unfaithful to me, God. That's pretty straightforward. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. Because this goes forward now after she's... Uh, gone back to being a prostitute. Then God ordered me, start all over, love your wife again, your wife who's in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife. Love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people, even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. I did it. I paid them good money. I paid good money to get her back. It cost me the price of a slave. Then I told her, from now on, you're living with me, no more whoring, no more sleeping around. You're living with me, and I'm living with you. So if you read backwards, 
you get the full picture and understand that Hosea was instructed to marry a prostitute. The honeymoon is over. <laughs> How many of you know if you marry somebody with that kind of background, all of a sudden there is no romance novel. I don't care about what, what was the uh, Cindy Crawford's role. I don't even care about any of that. I'm telling you, the, the honeymoon is over. And then, if that's not bad enough, if you want to know for sure, the final nail in the coffin to make sure that you know the honeymoon is over is the fact that the prostitute that he marries, her name is Gomer. I mean, come on now, Gomer. Couldn't, like, couldn't, couldn't her name been like Alice? Could, could, couldn't she like had been Gomer Dawn, and we, so we call her Dawn for short? Could, couldn't her name been Flo? Maybe, maybe, couldn't she just gone a little bit gangster and just gone by G? Hey, G, what's going on? You can't come up with a better prostitute name than Gomer? Gomer? Suede. Come up with like Suede or Alexis or, or Cadillac or I don't know, but come on. Gomer, the, the honeymoon, the honeymoon is over. We, this is what we tend to do. We tend to read Scripture and we do two things to it. We sterilize it and we sanitize it. I want you to think this through for just a moment. Hosea is instructed to marry a prostitute. Can you just just put yourself, uh, we would rather be in romance novels, but let's put ourselves in this position, in this, in this story. Can you imagine the looks that Hosea and G received when they were walking down the street and she had her arm in his arm and all the men knew? Can you imagine the, the, the awkwardness of the interactions with the upstanding women of that community that now they're trying to do uh, civic club meetings with and, and, and Lions Club meetings with and, and, and all these activities in the community. They, they go out to the parades and Homer's got G on his arm and all the other women are looking down their, their nose at her because they know. No dinner invites. Guaranteed. Why? Because she's damaged. She is known in the community. She's been used. And I just want to stop here long enough to say to some of you this morning that you find yourself in a relationship with someone who is possibly damaged as well. I'm not, even, I'm not even talking about, not even referring to the sexual side of things. I'm just talking about through life, through the experiences that they've had in their life, before they met you or maybe even after they met you, there's this damaged side of things. There's this used side of things. And you find yourselves in a relationship where somebody is damaged and broken and used. And the result is that the perfect picture has been destroyed and the honeymoon is over. And maybe for you, maybe for you, you had a glimpse of what you were getting into before you made long-term commitment. But maybe for some of you, you didn't really know what you were getting into until afterwards. And here's what I want to say to you this morning before I try to give you some tips is this. The when doesn't matter as much as the what. Because now, what do you do 
if you're in a relationship and the honeymoon has come to a crashing end. What do you do? Three things real quick out of this story. The first thing I want to say to you this morning is if the honeymoon has ended for you, then you've got to come to this, this understanding. You cannot buy the lie that new means better. The desire for a perpetual honeymoon is not realistic. I, I, I've got some bad news for some of you. It's not always going to be bubble baths and rose petals and Kenny G music playing in the background. It's just not going to be. It, that, that's not reality. The, the problem that we experience is this, is our society puts so much emphasis on new. Like, you need a new car. You need a new house. You need new clothes. You need a, you need a new phone. And, and there's so much emphasis on the, the need for new that it's real easy then when our relationship begins to fall apart to make the logical leap that if I need a new car when my current car is operating correctly and getting me from point A to B, and I need a new phone when my old phone is still operating and I can actually use it for what it's intended for, which is to make calls, by the way. Uh, I, we make the logical leap then that if I need new and all that, when, when I don't like the way that things are, then I can make the logical leap that I will also replace an old relationship with a new relationship. If things aren't going like I think they should, then I, I, I'll just get me a new spouse. I mean, I, I, I can offload you just as quickly as I did my phone. $49 uncontested. And we're out. That's the, that's the society we live in. Listen, our desire for new causes us to do two things. It causes us to disregard and discard the old. That's what it does. So we're always looking for an upgrade. Like, like if, you, if you've been married any length of time and you're now like 40, you're wanting to cash it in for 220s. It, it, we want to upgrade, right? Hosea's account teaches us that even if the old isn't what we thought it was going to be like, it's still worth fighting for. We cannot buy this life from the enemy who is trying to destroy us that everything old is bad, so now we got to have new. We allow that to sneak over into relationships, and we just disregard and discard old relationships, thinking that adventure and excitement because it's new, and he leads us into destruction. We can't allow our desire for those things to cause us to discard what God has given us and think it will be better because it's new. In fact, I, I, I'm not even going to unpack this. I just want to make this statement to you. Uh, not wanting the old doesn't really say as much about the old as it does about us. The second thing I want to say to you is this, is... is um, if the honeymoon in your relationship is over, then I just want to remind you of this truth. What got you there keeps you there. If you go back to the account, uh, Hosea was instructed in one version, it says, go win the heart of a prostitute. The first thing that we're told is this. I read it to you out of this version, and it says this. I did it. I picked her. The first thing we're told is that Hosea picked Gomer. That's a profound statement. 
He chose her. Okay, back up. What is she? She's a prostitute. There were other choices. Y'all missed it. Are you with me? He, he chose her. That's a profound statement. He picked her of all the other prostitutes that he could have selected. He chose her. And then when we go forward in chapter 3, I read this to you. This is after she's given birth to three children. She goes back to being a prostitute. She betrays her husband. And I read it to you. Now we see this scene. And, it, and let's, let's not sterilize it, sanitize it. Here's the scene. She has left Hosea. She's back in prostitution. But now she has gone so far backwards in her lifestyle that she is in the slave market. I went and did some research. What they did to these women is they would strip them from, at least from the waist up and parade them in front of all the men of the town so that they could get the most money. Check this out. Hosea walks into that environment as her betrayed husband, and they all know it. They all know that she's played the harlot after they got married and that the honeymoon is over and he pushes past all of his embarrassment and all of his shame and all the undignified aspect of that and walks into the slave market with his naked wife being paraded before the other men and he wins her. He wins her. He works to win her heart. And I just got to say this. I don't know what caused your honeymoon to end, but I think what caused their honeymoon to end in this account trumps whatever caused your honeymoon to end. And yet, he goes back and he, re, uh, he, he goes back and he chooses her again. He works. Okay, so after all she's done, after all she's done, and yet you won't even swallow your pride and talk to your spouse, your date, your friend. I knew it'd get quiet. You won't even overlook that one annoying habit that has driven you to the point to want you cause you to want to discard the old to try to find something new. And Hosea was willing to go back and win. Okay. So let me just break down what marriage is really all about. Relationships are really all about. I'm going to use a four-letter word right here in church. Work. You have to work at this. What got you there keeps you there. So let me ask you this question. What did you do to win them in the first place? Because if, you, if your honeymoon has ended, whether it was right after your literal, literal honeymoon or maybe it lasted six months, maybe it lasted six years, but the wheels are falling off and you're at odds and you're at each other's throats and it's not what you wanted it to be, then may I ask you, what did you do to win them in the first place? Because if we would learn to go back and do what we did in the first place, what gets you there keeps you there. Because this is what happens. Some of us fix up to win them, but we won't fix up after we've won them. 
Some of us would talk for hours on the phone and we'd write all these cute notes and it was like pages and pages and pages of you're the cutest, you're the best, you're so cool, I love you so much, you're so, you're the bomb, you're the, you're, you're, you're the, you're all that in a bag of chips, you're my love, you're my life, you're my everything. And now when we want, when they want to communicate with us, we grunt. Yeah. Want something to eat? Mm. <laughs> Sandwich or beans? Mm. Love you. Love you. Mm. That's all we do. We did dinner dates and flowers. And now we do dirty clothes. And, and, and we won't do what we did to win them. What gift got you there keeps you there. Our problem is, is that most of us work harder to win than we do to keep. And I just want to make a promise to you. I want to promise you this. I, I believe this with all my heart. I, I, I promise you that if you could identify what you did to win and you will go back and do it for a long period of time so that they will believe that you're actually making a significant change rather than just trying to pull one over on them. So you continue to do what you did when you won them for a significant period of time, you will be able to keep what you won. But to do that, we have to come to the place Hosea did, and we have to push past our own pride, and we have to push past our own pain, and we have to push past our own disappointment, and we have to push past all of that foolishness and go, I don't even want to do this, but I recognize if I will do this, like when she speaks to me, if I will actually talk back. And she's like, I, I, I will now like actually get up and fix myself up like I did to to win okay all right yeah we got to communicate third we got to saddle the white horse all right so let me help you when it comes to the most important this is this is so significant for any relationship particularly marriage but for any relationship so if you're single this is this applies if you're at a job this applies when you're dealing with the most significant relationships in your life there are three ways that we respond when the honeymoon is over I'm going to help you right here we can fir the first way we can respond when things start going south is we can begin to respond historically. Hosea could have responded historically. Like, do you remember what you were doing before I picked you? Don't want to be with me? Do you remember what you were and what you were doing before I picked you? We, listen, you will never be able to weather the honeymoon of your relationship ending if all you want to do is keep score. Because what happens is, is you keep score. If you begin to throw things up in their face, about like six months ago, I made an approach to you and you turned a cold shoulder to me. Eighteen years ago, I picked up your dirty clothes nine times in a row. And you respond historically then may I tell you that if you constantly respond in a historical manner, you will have no future together. 
Hosea could have responded historically, believe me. But he chose not to. That's the first way. The second thing is this. is Once our, the honeymoon begins to end, if we're not careful, we won't just respond historically. We will respond hysterically. Now you think about this. If there was ever an account in Scripture where somebody had the right to respond hysterically, this might be it. Because if I find out that my spouse is back, first of all, was a prostitute or is now acting like a prostitute, how many of you know I might just lose my mind? Somebody might just have to come visit me in jail because it's not going to be pretty, right? So, so, so I, I, you don't want to respond to me when I talk to you. I will respond hysterically. I will raise my voice and you don't treat me like that. And that's hysterical, right? Uh, or maybe our hysterical response is different than that. Maybe our hysterical response is, is this. I, I will give you the coldest shoulder. There'll be like icicles dripping off of me. It will be as cold as ice. The problem with responding hysterically is that it stops the healing process. There is no hope. There is no chance for healing if you are responding hysterically. So, so in our most significant relationships, we have to make a choice. We can respond historically, we can respond hysterically, or we can do what Hosea did and we can respond heroically. Think about what happens. Hosea goes out of his way at his own expense, invests his own resources, swallows his own reputation, and is standing in the community. And he rescues. He rescues her. He rides in on a white horse. They're in Israel, so a white camel. That's how my mind works. And he, he runs into a slave market where she's about to be sold into slavery. And he rescues her. Too many of us wait for a hero instead of stepping in and being the hero. Hosea could have remembered everything that, that Gomer had done wrong. He could have gone nuts on her. Instead, he reacts heroically, and he rescues her, and he sacrifices for her, and he wins her. And I am challenging you this morning th th this way. If the honeymoon of your relationship is over, I'm asking you to quit reacting and responding historically, and I'm challenging you to quit responding hysterically. I'm challenging you to saddle up the white horse and ride in like a hero and respond heroically yes they should have said something different than they said yes they should have acted different than they did no they shouldn't have hurt you the way they did but respond heroically and ride in and rescue at your own expense at your own sacrifice how do you do that you fight for them you recommit to them you rally to them. Let's think about just briefly, and then I'll stop. Real quick, how do we respond in some very practical ways, but in heroic ways? Let me let me throw a couple examples. How about overlooking? I mean, you could respond historically or hysterically because the socks are in the floor again, or you could ride in heroically and pick those nasty things up and throw them in the laundry basket yourself. 
Just a small heroic step. What about forgiving? What, what about by serving them? What about by actually listening, like pushing the mute button on the TV and actually turning and saying, the hardest question to ask, how was your day? And then listen. Saddle up. How about sympathizing? How about by approaching? How about by reengaging? How about by communicating? Very practical, simple steps that we can take, and all of a sudden, we become the hero. Some of you are waiting on your spouse to be the hero, and you're supposed to be the hero. Some of you are waiting for them to apologize. Be the hero. Apologize even if it wasn't your fault. Be the hero. If the honeymoon of your relationship is over, then I just want to challenge you that just because the honeymoon is over does not mean that the relationship has to be over. You just have to go back and do some things and to work and to do what got you there so you can keep what you've got rather than disregarding it and discarding it for something new. So I'm just simply challenging each and every, I'm looking at all the men in their eyes. Be the hero. Come on, guys, be the hero. Okay, ladies, I'm looking at all the ladies. I'm trying to say, how do you say hero in, in a woman? Who? Heroin? Oh, my Lord. This is going to go on Twitter, and I'm going to be, like, crucified. I'm looking all the way and say, say, be a heroine. What in the world, man? I said, be a heroine. Don't. Okay, you got it. All right. Okay. But, ladies, I'm just I'm challenging you. Why, why are you sitting around waiting on the man? And I'm all for... I'm all for chivalry and all that. You know I am because my mama will still spank me if I don't open the door for a woman. Don't you play. She's little, but she, she can still spank me. I'll be grounded for the rest of my life if I don't open that door. This ain't, I ain't playing. She ain't playing it. So, so, so I, I'm all for that. But ladies, why are you sitting around waiting on the man who's already made it apparent that he's not going to step up? Why don't you step up? And be the, it takes both. We've got to be heroes again. Let's pray. Father. This morning, we recognize that marriage is extremely hard work. There is nothing easy about this. This takes effort. And Father, I recognize this morning that under the sound of my voice, in this room, let's, let, let's don't play, Father, we know that in this room even, there are relationships that are broken, that are in, in bad spots. There are husbands and wives that are really fighting in their own spirit about, should I continue? We know there are people watching over the internet right now that are in situations that are very, very difficult. And I, I, with, with, with the use of humor, I, I am not trying to diminish the, the seriousness of their situation, Lord, I'm not. This is big stuff. 
God, this is stuff that can ruin us. This is stuff that can damage us. This is stuff that can cause us to barely make it through life. That's why we so desperately need your help. That's why we're doing this series. Today, Father, I pray that you would come right down into our own households, every household represented here, whether our home is perfect as it's ever been and things are great or whether it's a nightmare and I don't really even want church to end because I don't want to go home. I pray you'd intervene right now. You'd bring hope. Just because something's old doesn't mean new would be better. Father, I pray that you'd begin to remind us of steps that we can take, things that we did in the past to win that will also enable us to keep. I pray that even in this very moment, each of us would begin to think of things I used to do that helped me win them in the first place, and we would be challenged by your Holy Spirit this morning to go back and do some of those things again. Help us to woo one another again. Father, I pray that you'd raise up some heroes in this house. I pray that men and women alike would rise up and when, when we could respond historically or hysterically, instead we choose to be heroes and we would write in and we would overlook and we would forgive and we would sympathize and, and, and we would communicate and we would be the hero. We'd be, we'd, be the, we'd be the bigger person without trying to be the bigger person. We just respond out of a heart of love ride in on a white horse and we'd rescue and we'd save and and out of that we would win their heart back again. Father, this is what I know. This is the experience I've had in my own life. And it's validated in Scripture because Psalms 34, 17 says that you are close to those that are brokenhearted those that have been crushed in spirit. And God, I know that here today there are relationships that have caused brokenness and have crushed us. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would show up close in this moment. I ask you to accomplish this by the power of of our hero, Jesus. Would you do this with me? If you're sitting next to someone you know is married, husband and wife maybe sitting next to each other, or maybe their spouse is not here this morning, would you just uh, reach over and lay your hands on them? Because I'm not about to embarrass you if your relationship is in turmoil at the moment. Um, Because we've all had those days. If you know somebody's married, would you just reach out and lay your hand on them right now? Let's just pray for them. Father, one of the most difficult relationships to navigate because of all the emotions and and the investment and the commitment that's involved in it is, is marriage. And we may be laying our hands on somebody right now that when we see them together, they're always smiling, but at home they're always fighting. We may be laying our hands on somebody that it seems like they're together with their spouse, but the truth is is that they're strangers living in the same house. 
I pray this morning over every marriage relationship represented in this building. I pray that you would strengthen them. And God, if the honeymoon is over, I pray this morning you would allow them to begin to see steps of improvement in the very near future so that they don't give up hope. I pray that you would restore hope this morning. Restore hope this morning. Restore hope this morning. Restore hope this morning that their relationship can be everything that you want it to be. And now I pray for the person I'm laying my hands on, and I pray that you would raise them up as a hero in their relationship. And if the person I'm praying for has been guilty of continually responding historically, I pray that they would be reminded this morning that you've forgiven them of all they've ever done. And Father, if the person I'm praying for this morning has been responding hysterically and their emotions get the best of them, then I pray that peace would flood them and they would calm down enough to allow healing to start. I pray that you'd raise them up as heroes. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. And then last, Father, I pray for those that may not be in a marriage relationship this morning. Maybe they're single. Maybe they're divorced, trying to recover from brokenness. I pray that they would remember that you would burn into their spirit the truths that we heard this morning and that as they approach relationship of any kind, they would apply these things and they would recognize that you have a plan for them and they would rest in that plan. They would follow that plan in Jesus' name. And everybody said... It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.